Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Today, we're here with Dr. Glad, and we've been talking about biblical theology. If we can shift our topic of conversation a bit and uh, discuss the topic of writing commentaries. Uh, Dr. Glad, um, you've recently been uh, recruited to join Dr. Kostenberger and uh, as editor of uh, the Lexham Evangelical Exegetical Commentary Series. And uh, first of all, I want to say to both of you, congratulations. And uh, to start with the obvious question, why another commentary series? Maybe Dr. Kostenberg, you can respond first. Yeah, maybe. He, yeah, let him let him take that. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, uh, <laughs> Jamie. Uh, it, it, it is a good question. I guess we, we, we do owe you an answer to that <laughs> because there's already plenty of uh, commentary series on the market. Uh, but, you know, when you think about it, uh, several of these are not uh, evangelical. Uh, they're more critical right. in nature. So I think that's, uh, that already, uh, you know, kind of thins out the, the, the field quite a bit. Uh, you know, think about uh, the evangelical exegetical commentary. Uh, you think of, uh, you know, the fact that many of those authors don't affirm, say, that Paul wrote Ephesians. You think of Andrew Lincoln in the in the word commentary series, or, or, or that Paul wrote uh, First, Second Timothy, and Titus, for example. Uh, we know that uh, Ihard Marshall in the ICC series comes agonizingly close, <laughs> but then mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. can't quite get himself mm-hmm. to uh, to unequivocally affirm that. So I think there's a uh, certainly a need for intelligent, uh, thorough. Uh, evangelical commentary work. And uh, uh, also in recent years, we've increasingly seen the publication of commentaries more for a, a, a niche market, uh, application commentaries, cultural mm-hmm. background commentaries, literary or story commentaries, <laughs> expositor mm-hmm. commentaries, and so forth, even theological commentaries. You know, as if if not every commentary uh, should be theological. <laughs> right, uh, right. So I think there's, again, a need for commentaries that are evangelical and exegetical and biblically based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I would just affirm everything he said. I do think we're, we're in a new, and Andreas touched on this, we are in a new phase of commentary writing. And and I would even say the same thing. It really is a good discussion to have alongside the biblical theology, not just my book, but just biblical theology books in general. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've been so somebody. This would be a good article. I'm not going to write it, but this is a good article. It would be to chart why biblical theology right now is exploding. Why is everybody eating up? And it's because of a lot of factors, I believe. Uh, there's a there's a ton of hard work done in the late late 70s or really 80s and 90s that got us where we are today. Like, I mean, I think of guys like Don Carson, who they just worked so hard at at putting history and theology and exegesis together really really well. So that I don't have to repeat that. I, I can build off of that. So biblical theology and commentaries today, we can stand on guys like that. Like I even think to some extent F.F. Bruce and 
and others where you can, or RT France, especially RT France, where you can stand and lean on them. And we are now seeing all these commentaries and biblical theology sort of, I think, explode because they worked so hard for so many years. And so now when we go back, so now commentaries are reaching, you know, you can have, Lexham can now produce the EEC and say this is squarely evangelical. And we are, so it, it really is a new phase and we can be confident in that. And, and I think we can, I think we can really, um, and I think the church, the church wants it. I think people will buy it. I think the people will, will read it. Pastors and students and other teachers will really be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So let me throw out a question for both of you then. And uh, Dr. Glad, you can feel free to start us. But what should people expect from a good commentary? Uh, what do you see as being the purpose of commentaries in general? And and uh, when they pick up an EEC commentary, for example, uh, what should they expect? Right. So just to uh, sort of – I'll continue almost my answer with the previous one is mm-hmm. now we are in this new phase. And Andreas and I briefly talked about this via email a while ago that 20 years ago, and Andreas knows this because he's done the work, but when you write it – when you would write a robust commentary, you would – interact with almost everything written on it like you would german Mm -hmm. french everything you just read 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 read, interact 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 but that was 20 years ago you can't do that i mean you could but it would be multi it would be so many volumes it's just there's so much literature now there's so many people working so much to wade through it's very difficult and I, I'm not quite sure that that commentaries will do that again. I I, I don't think that the, I don't think that we that comment unless everybody's a Craig Keener, I don't think that people can wade through that much secondary literature. So I think now we're sort of going. It's almost a renaissance now. We're we're going back. We're just going to talk about the text, and we will interact with some sources, but we're now looking at primary sources, whether it's the Gospels or Paul or whatever, looking at the Old Testament, looking at Second Temple Judaism, like you're mainly interacting with primary text and only secondary with other commentaries and, and drove. I don't know if, I, I mean, Andreas would probably answer that better than I would. So I think that would be a mark. Well, so that's, that's what I'm saying. In, in this new phase, that's sort of where I see things going. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, you're right, uh, and you and I talked about that, uh, you know, a little bit just kind of like coalescing with our new assignment there for the EEC, the, the idea that it's, it's virtually impossible to, uh, to cover everything and nor I think our readers expecting that are most help. Right. You know, if, if right. we right. do that. Right. So I agree. You want to be, uh, you know, appropriately strategic uh, in, in using, you know, the best sources and covering the key issues. And I think that's basically what what people want. They want you to, to have the expertise to know what's important to help them decide what's important, mm-hmm. what's, what's not important. Um, at the same time, I think still they, 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 they want commentators to be thorough, you know, to not right, just kind of right, scratch the right, surface. Right, uh, right. And, and at the same time, something maybe that I'm looking for in a commentary is balance. And, right. you know, maybe we don't right. hear that much about it, but I, I think that's, I'm a little bit critical of the current scene because I feel like, you know, there's all those commentaries that are a little bit, 
uh, just kind of one-sided. You know, they, they do one thing really well, you know, <laughs> but then they neglect <laughs> some other things, you know, right. so you have historical oh, background right. comments. They, do, they right. do history really well, but, you know, what about uh, theology yeah. or, or yeah. you have those, those, those story commentaries, you know, they're, they're excelling mm -hmm. in, 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 in the literary side, but, but maybe they're weak historically, you know, so mm -hmm. it kind of feeds a little bit into my hermetical triad approach because uh, it's all right. about balance, right. you know, that you don't have the luxury to just kind of pick and choose, you know, one thing. And, mm -hmm. and then as a preacher, certainly you don't, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's really good. I think you're exactly right. I, I, um, I, it is hard to find. There are, as many commentaries are out there, it's very hard to find a good balance set. Mm -hmm. Really is it really is. And the They're other thing that I know few, I'm I'm few. preaching to to the converted here, Ben. But 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 I think the other thing I'm looking increasingly for in good commentaries is that they're biblical theological. You know, in other words, that they're mm -hmm. not so mm -hmm. hyper analytical. You know, mm -hmm. uh, just giving me some sort of going super deep. You know, on just one word. You know, but but they help yeah. me see connections yeah. and. And that's what I like, for instance, you know, in Johannine studies, what I like about the, an older commentary by Herman Ritterboss on the Gospel oh, yeah. of John. Uh, yeah. Erdman's published it years ago, and I, I think mm -hmm. that's actually one that has as a subtitle a theological commentary. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think in his case, it's well-deserved because he really yeah. excels in synthesis, you know, in kind of the bigger building blocks of John's Gospel, and he helped me kind of relate the whatever, the festival cycle, you know, to the Cana cycle and understand, you know, mm -hmm. how does the, the farewell discourse fit in, you know, with the, with the gospel as a whole. And so that really, I think, is, is, is something that I think even for theological preaching, right, that would be mm -hmm. just a tremendous mm -hmm. asset. Mm -hmm. and, and so some of the, mm -hmm. the commentary series now that are focusing on that, and certainly I would uh, very much aspire for e for the EEC to, 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 to be also one of those commentaries that are robust in, in helping mm -hmm. preachers and students, you know, see that biblical theological interconnections. Something that's really been bugging me the last few months is, is, is the, the minimalism that has dominated biblical studies just for so long. It's commentators are afraid in especially more critical series, but they don't, they don't venture outside of the words in the text. They are so confined to they're so they're they're looking at the text so narrowly that they don't make biblical theological observations or even theological observations. And because of, and because they're like, well, it isn't. It's not. It's not explicitly right there. So I'm not going to say it. Uh, that's a, that's minimalistic in my mind. I mean, you can be you need to be responsible when you do biblical theology, but if you are constantly looking at the text so narrowly, you're it's going to be hard to, to really understand the text itself because I don't think these texts are narrow. Mm -hmm. I think that the whole movement of these, like if you just read the any really any book of the Bible, it's not narrow, but it's it's part of a much larger program and discussion and story and and that explains why these why in the gospels jesus goes from one thing to the next and to in the way it's arranged it's because they're not narrow because they're not minimalistic in how they're presenting jesus mm -hmm. and but when you but when you are narrow and when you exegete 
you have a really hard time in, in figuring out how all the pieces fit together. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I, I think the I word agree. there is minimalistic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's really pervasive, not just in commentaries, but just in biblical studies. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to to talk about theology in biblical theology because, I mean, I, I mean, I get it right there. It's part of the guild, but we can't do that at the mm-hmm. church. If we're really fueling the church, we can't do that. It's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not a good, not a good thing. Well, I think that's an excellent framework for um, our discussion today. If we can get uh, to some of the specifics now in the EE series, Dr. Galad, in addition to serving as an assistant editor, you've also um, been assigned to write the commentary on Mark's gospel. And so what are your plans for writing this commentary? Uh, what approach are you going to take? Yeah, so I haven't written a, I've been talking a lot about commentaries, but I haven't written one. So I suppose the uh-huh. proof is in the pudding. Um, I've, read a, I've read a million of them interacted with a million but i have not written one this is my first formal one uh so i am excited but i am excited and, and to, to write a robust one so as far as my as far as my plans are it's like well i i'm gonna do what i always do uh, i'm just read the text carefully how's the narrative i'm really interested to see uh, so sort of taking a step back especially with mark and the gospels is that we are in a great place now in biblical studies where we can read the narrative as a whole. Mm-hmm. People weren't doing this 20 years ago, but now we're reading the narrative as a whole very, very carefully. And I think it's exceptionally rewarding. And we can, you can find all sorts of, of great insights just by reading the narrative, just patiently listening to it, translating it, getting the grammar, just being a very good reader. And then you do that, then you, you trace all the Old Testament, the major allusions, or maybe even echoes and quotations and all that. How does it fit to the Old Testament? How does it relate to other parts of the New Testament and ultimately about Christ? And so you just, you know, you kind of, you, you work, everything is working seamlessly together in that process. So I'm excited. I just finished this book for Baker. It's the same one that Andreas just did in his Hebrews through Rev. And, um, one of the things that I that I saw in working through Mark again is I, I really I really think that Mark's contribution on the nature of the kingdom is he talks so much about preparation and cleansing of the created order so that God's kingdom can break in. So he's that's why he talks about unclean spirits. He talks a lot about unclean people, and I would even argue that. Uh, Creation itself is unclean, and so Jesus comes in and he cleans it. He's purifying it to make way for uh, God's glory to invade it. And his disciples they're tasked with this mission, and they are they are yeah they they are the temple. They are the, they are participating in the kingdom. And it's so for me once I really started to put the the to link preparation and cleansing. With guilt and sin and uh, tabernacle and uncleanness and holiness and all of these clusters of words that are found found together, you, I think you can really start to see Mark's contribution to that larger discussion. We certainly so look that's forward. what I'm excited about. Yeah, we certainly look forward to that. Um, Dr. Gossamer, as well, you, uh, along with serving as the editor for the NT series, you've committed to contributing the commentary on John's Gospel. And uh, perhaps you can give us uh, some of your thoughts to how 
you're going to approach writing this commentary. I'm sure uh, many of our listeners would be eager to, to read that commentary. Yes. Uh, well, uh, my goal will be primarily to engage with the text of John's Gospel, as we mentioned earlier, in a thorough and, and hopefully balanced way, uh, using my hermeneutical triad approach, uh, considering the, the historical setting, literary factors, and of course, the theological message of John on the basis of an authorly intent hermeneutic. Um, you know, I think uh, that's sometimes lost in the shuffle nowadays that, uh, you know, we still may be in f- uh, it in principle, but in, mm-hmm. in practice, uh, you know, uh, we forget that meaning is ultimately a function of, of, of the person who actually wrote a given piece of writing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're going to very quickly slide into more of a kind of a, a reader response type approach. And, and uh, I mean, certainly the goal I would set for myself in writing a commentary on John's gospel is, you know, I basically want to be a servant for the church. I want to basically uncover what what John meant when he wrote his gospel. It's his gospel, not mine. I'm simply, you know, t- trying to elucidate the meaning. Uh, so, uh, of course, I've spent, you know, uh, quite some time studying John's gospel, and I've written uh, several essays and articles on different topics. So I, I really look forward to uh, to just integrate those in, in, you know, the commentary at the appropriate uh, place, uh, Johanna and Signs, um, did an article on, on John's transposition of synoptic material, which I'm really excited about, you know, the question of the relationship between uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke on the one hand and John on the other, uh, you know, why they're so different. Uh, also, uh, the idea of the destruction of the temple as, as one of the, the, you know, the historical events uh, not too long before John wrote the gospel that might even have triggered, uh, you know, the writing of it and then, you know, for him to present Jesus as the, as the new temple, how that might have some sort of a historical, uh, you know, background to it. Uh, John's love ethic, you know, understanding John 13, uh, the foot washing as a sneak preview of, of, of the love that led Jesus to, to, um, to go to the cross. And finally, his, his, uh, John's Trinitarian mission theology. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit right there, you know, the three in one at the commissioning. Uh, ben, you mentioned that earlier. So it's my hope and my prayer that, that God will al- allow me to produce a work that, that uh, will serve as a bit of a capstone of my years of uh, Johanna and research. Well, we look forward to both uh, the uh, volumes there on the Gospel of John as well as the Gospel of Mark. Just to close our time, perhaps you can uh, give us a, a bit of a preview of the series and tell us what are some of the volumes that are already EEC series and about any forthcoming volumes. Yeah, that's right. So in the New Testament area, I think probably uh, the uh, uh, you know Stephen Ball's commentary would be a great example of, of, of what mm-hmm. the series aspires mm-hmm. to to be Don Carson mm-hmm. called uh, called Stephen Baugh's Ephesians commentary unquestionably 
the best technical commentary on Ephesians. I just, mm-hmm. all I can say is, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what an endorsement. And, uh, you know, that's very mm-hmm. high praise when you think about it. You know, there's several other, you know, pretty decent commentaries available on Ephesians. Uh, mm-hmm. Those by Frank Thielman, Harold Honer, you know, Andrew Lincoln and others. Uh, and any Old Testament area is not my primary area, of course, but uh, I know that Joanna Hoyt's recent commentary on on Amos and Jonah and Micah has received uh, some very positive reviews. I think there's one forthcoming in Jets um, uh, as well. And, uh, you know, we there's have— the one on yeah, Daniel. Daniel. The one on, the one on Daniel. That one's very good. I've been reading yeah. portions of that. Excellent. Very, yeah, that's, Daniel, I think— The stuff on Daniel 7 is very good. Yeah, that's the most very recent good. one. And so I think we're still fairly early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have um, New Testament uh, commentaries on the Philippians, um, first, second, third John and Jude, but uh, Old mm-hmm. Testament is made a little further along, actually. Exodus, Samuel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Song of Songs, Lamentations, and, you know, most recently, Daniel. Uh, now, I'm very excited about some new acquisitions that we've actually made just recently uh, in terms of forthcoming volumes. And, of course, you mentioned... Uh, between Ben and I, we cover half of the New Testament Gospels, uh, you know, by God's grace, if, uh, you know, if we survive the current crisis uh, here. Uh, but in addition, you have uh, Leviticus by Dick Averbeck, uh, first-rate scholar. Uh, Deuteronomy by Abner Chow, we had him on a podcast, and, and wow, that was—I uh, mean, he is a straight shooter. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed— uh, his clear thinking in the area of hermeneutics, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. Deuteronomy, what a what an important book for him to write on. Mm-hmm. And then New Testament, uh, Mike Bure at uh, Dallas, he's uh, he's writing on Galatians. Got uh, Brian Tab at Bethlehem, uh, writing on mm-hmm. on Thessalonians. Uh, Bust Fanning, I think, is is, is uh, mm-hmm. coming out pretty soon on Hebrews. And then uh, uh, Brandon Crow and James, and that's just some mm-hmm. of them, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're, I think it's going to be a great series. Well, we are eagerly anticipating some of these uh, forthcoming volumes, and uh, we're grateful for both of your efforts. And Dr. Glad, we're especially thankful for your time today. Oh yeah, thank you guys so much. It was fun to talk about all these different subjects. I, I really had a good time. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.